Praise the Lord. You can be seated this morning. We appreciate every single one of you being here today. And uh, how many just sent the presence of the Lord in this house today? Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say you're in the right place at the right time right now. We appreciate all of you being here. We welcome everyone and those that are watching online. And so we're going to conclude our series here on questions Jesus asked. How many have enjoyed this series? Been a tremendous time. And uh, uh, this is probably going to be my favorite one in so many ways. But uh, there's going to be some truth that is going to be spoken. Uh, when Jesus asked questions, as most of you know, if you've been with us the last few weeks, uh, Jesus asked questions with a purpose, not because he needed answers. How many know Jesus is the answer? When I asked a question, I'm looking for answers. But when Jesus was asking questions, he was engaging people in conversation. If you were here last week, he asked the question, why do you see the speck in your brother's eye, right, when you have a big log in your own eye? Remember I talked about that? Don't, don't judge partially when you don't know the whole story. And so Jesus was engaging and talking about judging others. And so, so many places Jesus asked questions so people can take an evaluation about their own lives. And there's a question that comes up here in John chapter 6. And I want to move along pretty quickly here so we can get started. In John chapter 6, uh, verse number 60 of the Word of God, kind of give you a little bit of context in this particular verses of Scripture here. Uh, verse number 60 here of John chapter 6. It says, when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying or a difficult thing to accept or a difficult word or hard word. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling. Have you ever met some grumblers? You ever met some grumble grumblers in the church? And have you ever been a grumbler? Anyway, the disciples were grumbling about this and said to them, and he said to them, so they were grumbling among themselves, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? In other words, I was up in heaven. What if you see me ascend again? And of course, we know in Scripture, Jesus ascended again. It is the Spirit who gives life. Excuse me. The flesh is no help at all. The word that I've spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. So Jesus knows our hearts. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it granted uh, him by the, by the Father. And after this, many, look at what it says here, real tragic a tragic story here. It said, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. And so Jesus said to the 12, looking at these 12 disciples, are you also going to leave? Are you also going to leave? And Simon Peter answered, I love this. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for truth even hard truth. And God, I pray today you'd open our hearts, our mind to receive the word of God and let it penetrate the souls and hearts of people. Let it transform our lives. God, remove every distraction today. 
And God, help us to give you our 100% undivided attention. I pray for the anointing of God as I declare your word. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. So in this particular chapter, Jesus gets real. Uh, Pastor Phil Hernandez from Lancaster said, for real, for real. And so he really gets real in this chapter. And uh, this is the other side of Jesus nobody wants to know about. And so Jesus gets real. He gets right into their face. Uh, Jesus kind of gets confrontational. How many know some things don't get come out of you until you're confronted? And so Jesus is confronting some issues here with the disciples that are following him. And the Bible is telling us here that Jesus is very confrontational and very direct. Many times when we look at Jesus and we read about Jesus, uh, we think that Jesus was always nice, that Jesus was always sweet. Uh, But Jesus was about changing mindsets. He was about changing hearts. He was about changing structures and walk. And in this particular scripture, uh, Jesus here isn't trying to please the culture. He's impacting the culture. And so Jesus makes some statements that the disciples uh, aren't used to. And then when he makes those statements, he makes this question, the question what we're going to be asking today, are you also going to leave are you also going to leave because in this particular chapter jesus does right from the very beginning jesus does some miracles and there's two major miracles that jesus does here one of them is the feeding of the five thousand in other words jesus here he feeds five thousand people with just a few loaves of fit or a few loaves of bread and a few fish i mean this is a tremendous miracle that jesus does where he feeds all of these people and man and all these people that were sitting there are fed uh, with uh, fish and bread and then the next miracle is instead of going on a boat across the sea Jesus uh, walks on water that's a pretty miraculous thing walking on water and he walks and he meets him on the other side and I want to kind of summarize what happened when he gets to the other side the people say wait a minute uh, uh, they, they, they said how did Jesus get to the other side when he, we didn't see him get on the boat and so they ask him rabbi how did you get here uh, how, how were you able to do that? And Jesus gave him a very direct answer. I should say indirect answer. He didn't answer the question, but said this to them. Jesus said in John chapter 6, Very truly I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and, and you were filled. Do not work for food that's spoiled, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. He said, you're not looking for me because you care about me. You're looking for fish and chips. You're, you're looking for some filet of fish uh, sandwiches. That's what you're looking for. And he said, but I come to give you words uh, of eternal life that are going to fill your soul and going to fill your life. And so Jesus, it doesn't sound that compassionate, but Jesus is saying, why are you looking for physical nourishment when I'm trying to give you spiritual nourishment? I'm trying to fill your soul. Then he says in, in John John chapter 6, verse 32, it says, Verily I truly tell you, it, it is not Moses who's given you the bread from heaven. You remember the manna, <clears throat> excuse me, but it's my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. 
For the bread of God, is, or the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the to the world. And they said, "Give us this bread always." Again, they're just wanting bread, uh, loaves of bread. Jesus declared, "I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be." Thirsty. So Jesus again is intending to show that the bread and the fish, he was saying, when you trust me, he was demonstrating that spiritually I can be your source. Thank you very much. All right. We'll get this right one way or another. I don't know if I'm on here. I'm not on here. Okay. Let's work on it. I'll work on it a little bit. Sound is critical to me. Sound is critical to me. So. I don't know. We're, we're getting there. We're getting there. Can, can you help me out here? All right. Now, now I sound like the voice of God. Hello, hello. Right? All right. We, we love Moses. I am the God of Jacob, right? So anyway, uh, I don't know how it got dramatic. But then he turns here in John chapter 6. And it leads to this question. It said, after this, many of the disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. And so Jesus said to the 12, are you also going to leave? And it's interesting to me that John, who's the writer of this book, allows us to hear the conversation that Jesus has with these disciples. Now, the Bible says from that time on, many of the disciples did not follow Jesus. Now, I didn't call these people that left Jesus disciples. John did. John is saying these were followers. These were uh, students. These were uh, mentees, so to speak, or apprentices who were following Jesus. These were guys that were saying, Waymaker, miracle worker. These were the guys that were saying, I'm with you, Jesus. I got your back, Jesus. I'm following you, Jesus. And yet we know in Scripture that Jesus gradually, in his uh, 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 teaching and in his discipleship gradually brought people to deeper commitment. Remember a few months ago, I talked about reach, how Jesus uh, first says, come. And then he says, come and see, come check it out, right? And then after he says, come and see, he says, come and follow. Then he says, come deny yourself. Right? Because Jesus goes gradually, incrementally, uh, he's asking for greater commitment. See, the longer you follow Jesus, uh, the deeper your commitment becomes. The more he demands uh, from your life. Uh, And so Jesus, uh, in this particular chapter, John chapter 6, he's getting a little deeper with his disciples. uh, And actually, let me just say it this way, Jesus shifts the tone of his teaching. All of a sudden, Jesus now realizes uh, that his time with the disciples are getting, is getting shorter. So his discipleship has to shift differently and he has to get deeper into his discipleship. And, and basically, Jesus knew that he had to impart something uh, to his disciples. And we know when we think about the disciples of Jesus, we always think of the 12 apostles. Uh, but the Bible says in Luke that there were at least 70 that followed Jesus. Uh, other places that tells us that, that there were many women that were following Jesus. In fact, there were many women that were supporting his ministry financially. And so here is Jesus. He has to make an investment and it has to become more and more significant. 
and he gets deeper in his teaching, and he makes a statement that really disturbs everybody, that really gets everybody kind of offended. And this is the statement that he makes in John chapter 6, verse 53. He said, Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. What? Am I right? Like, what are you talking about? Right? The, the old different soul. What you talking about, Willie? So what is going on here? I, I, don't, I don't believe what's happening here. And, and the Bible said they didn't understand. And they said to themselves, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? It's a hard teaching. Who can bear it? Who can accept it? Uh, this is hard because Jesus had shifted the tone of his teaching, uh, and yet it was the very two that God was using to purge out those that weren't really following Jesus from their heart. Because Jesus begins to get really deeper here, and in his teaching, the Bible says uh, that the disciples begin to grumble among themselves. They didn't grumble to him. They grumbled among themselves. So Jesus, the Bible says, was aware of their grumbling. See, when we grumble about the things of God, Jesus knows what you're grumbling about. And they grumbled about, uh, among themselves instead of pursuing some clarity from him. Instead of just asking Jesus, what do you mean? Uh, tell us what's going on here. And basically it tells us uh, that because of their grumbling, they were grumbling among them, each other that they were no longer qualified to follow Jesus any longer. See, Jesus was basically saying, I'm in a season in my life, listen to me, where you need to stop grumbling about me to others and come right to me and talk to me about what's going on. Am I right? How many are in a season in your life where you, where you want people around your life to not grumble to others about you? Just come talk to me. <clears throat> I'm, in the same, <clears throat> I'm in the same place. Let me take a drink of water here. <clears throat> all right. <laughs> help me out here. Is that all right? <clears throat> Somebody say, help the preacher here. <laughs> so I tell leaders all the time, if you don't talk to me, you're going to talk about me. Don't grumble about me. Talk to me. If you don't talk to me, you're going to grumble about me. And so Jesus was at a season in his life where he says, hey, he knew he was aware of what's happening. And he said, does this offend you? Are you offended? Not that he was offensive. But he asked, are you offended by what I said? Because think about this, spiritually and even in the natural, it's one thing for someone to be offensive, to be ob uh, abusive, and, and to be uh, slanderous about your life. And this is not who Jesus was. Uh, in, in other words, can you guys hear me okay? In other words, uh, these people had been offended, not because Jesus was uh, abusive, not because Jesus was slanderous, uh, but because Jesus had said something hard. Jesus is saying, I'm not even offensive, but I'm saying something hard, and because the hard truth can be offensive sometimes. See, some of us this morning, we don't mind someone telling us something, but when the truth gets hard, we don't like it. We've heard that. We can't handle the truth, right? And it's hard, uh, it's hard, the truth can be offensive. Uh, how many know when Jesus tells us, you know what, forgive your enemy, that's the hard truth. 
Forgive those that despitefully use you. That's a hard truth. Jesus uh, began to tell us things, what we're supposed to do with our lives, and we don't like it. Sometimes Jesus begins to tell us, hey, you just can't date anyone you want. You're not supposed to be unequally yoked. There are some dating restrictions. But we're grumbling to others, and we're not seeking clarity like these disciples. We're looking for answers from the clubhouse rather than God's house. We're, we're looking for answers somewhere else. And Jesus said, does this offend you? Let me just say this to you. Write this down. Because spiritually and naturally, offense is the relationship tester. You know where you are relationally when you say a truth to someone and whether they'll stay with you even though you've offended them, but they know it's the truth. See, loyalty doesn't begin until there's a disagreement. Oh, I love you, Pastor. I got your back, Pastor. Oh, I'm here, man. Oh, yeah, I'm committed right here. But the minute I make a decision that affects you, oh, you don't love me no more. Oh, why'd you switch that? You know, why'd you promote that person? Why'd you do that? See, I'm not only supposed to love you, I'm supposed to lead you. That's a hard truth, right? It's a hard truth. And so, so many times when the truth gets hard and we don't agree with it, we begin to get in our side. Well, I need to leave. And see, Jesus is saying, whoever survived this word, whoever survived this hard saying is staying a strong message back to me, whether or not you're really committed to me or not. And the Bible says from many that from that time on, many left Jesus and followed him no more because again, offense is the relationship tester. Then the Bible says Jesus turned to his disciples and said, are you also going to leave? Hallelujah. And I can imagine Peter saying, man, I don't understand what you mean either. But we got, I'm not going anywhere. Hallelujah. Jesus, I don't understand it all, but Lord, you have the words of eternal life. How many have been like that with the Lord? Sometimes, Lord, I don't understand why you answer some needs and not other needs. I don't understand why this person lived and this person died. Lord, sometimes I'm disappointed. Lord, sometimes I'm a little discouraged. Lord, sometimes I don't know why, but God, I just know this, that I'm going to stay, that I'm going to be committed despite the circumstances. Somebody say amen. Because offense is the relationship tester. It makes it genuine. Oh, you guys are offended already. It's truth and scary at the same time. Meaning sometimes Jesus is saying to us today, he says, he looks at the disciples and he says, are you going to leave also? In other words, I'm not going to allow my fear of how you might respond to cause me to change my standard. I'm not going to allow my fear with the threat of you wanting to leave when I'm trying to establish a requirement that in you to follow me. And Jesus basically saying, I'm watching them leave. I don't want them to leave, but I'm not going to make them stay. I'm not going to lower my standard in order for them to follow me. See, a lot of us, listen to me, if you're in college or you got coworkers or you're somewhere today, don't lower your standards in order to keep people around you. 
Jesus was saying, no, I'm not going to lower my, I don't want them to leave. I don't desire for them to leave, but I'm not going to change my standards. See, some people say, I'll stay with you if you change. Can I tell you something? They'll leave you right now that you're not changing. They'll leave you when you change too. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because already in their heart. And Jesus knew what was in the hearts of people, the Bible says. He knew what was happening. And he said, you know what? I want my best for you. Now, when Jesus was talking about eating my flesh and drinking my blood, we know he was talking about a a metaphor. He was talking about symbolically. He wasn't saying nibble on my forearm and and on, yeah, go ahead, take a nibble on that. Here, here, go ahead and eat the calf right here. He He wasn't literally saying there wasn't enough of Jesus to go around for everybody to eat him. He wasn't saying that. This was a spiritual thing that Jesus was laying out for them. In other words, he was saying, just like fish and bread sustain you physically, I sustain you when you trust in me. Amen. When you put your trust in me. And so they had to realize, amen, that Jesus was trying to get them to another and greater level of commitment. Now, some of you are saying, well, that can't be me. No, that won't be me. There's no way. Can I tell you something? You may not leave Jesus physically, but in your heart you do. The Bible says that the prodigal son, remember that? Now, I'm not talking about the one that left, but the elder brother, he stood, but his heart was gone. Okay, lots of times we can stay, but our hearts are not here. Our hearts are not with the Lord. And so the enemy will use all kinds of things to get us distracted, to quench the fire. How many know the Bible said that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy? He's looking for ways to get in our lives this morning and to distract us and to do everything he can to hinder your walk with God, to try to discourage you. Now, I want to say something to you because I want you to understand where I'm coming from. My mission as a pastor, when I preach the gospel, is to preach a simple and practical message for you to understand. That no matter what level of the Bible you have, how much Bible knowledge you have, how much Christianity background you have, if you walk into these doors, that you'll be able to understand exactly what I'm talking about. Even if you just first read the Bible, even if you've never read the Bible, you can walk in in here and say, you know what? I can apply that in my life. Commitment, I can do that. Oh, yeah, you know, trust, I can do that. But it's also important, listen to me, that to understand as much as I try to explain the Bible in a simple and practical way, that we don't make it an idol where it just becomes something where it's just motivational speech. I'm just not trying to motivate you. The Bible is spiritual. So there's a spiritual realm to what I'm saying today. Yeah, you could use it in a practical way. Yeah, it can motivate you. It can stir you. But I want you to realize there's another dimension to the word of God. And that's the spiritual realm. Because the Bible says that, that Jesus says that in John chapter 6, verse 63. He says, the word that I've spoken to you, what? Our spirit and life. And so there is a spiritual realm. In fact, the word of God is the spiritual weapon. It says in Ephesians 6, 17, the sword of the spirit, what? Which is the word of God. So why is the word of God a spiritual weapon? Who are we fighting? We have an invisible enemy that's out to destroy your soul. 
This is why the word of God is to empower us and help us and to become that weapon because there's an enemy that is opposing us from applying God's word in our life and we got to be aware of the devices and the schemes of the enemy because he's working against you from applying it in your life, the foundation of your soul. Everything that we preach this morning, the Bible talks about don't be ignorant of the enemy's devices. In Ephesians chapter 6, it talks about uh, in what we call in, in the Christian language, spiritual warfare. How many know what I'm talking about? We're fighting a spiritual battle. In fact, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and the power is might. Put on the full armor of God so that you, make, you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. In other words, there's the strategy of the enemy that's coming against your soul that every time you hear the word of God, he's trying to take whatever God's placed in your life, he's trying to snatch it away. In fact, I can't read this, I don't have enough time, but it, in the book of Mark or in the book of Matthew chapter 13, it talks about that God's word is being sown and planted in the hearts of people. And the Bible says some of the word lands on the footpath. In other words, and the Bible said that the enemy come and he snatches the word of God out of you because it didn't, it didn't get solid into your soul. It only hit the surface. Sometimes people can be here, they, they're just tuning me out. They said, oh, that don't apply to me. Uh, I, I can't wait to get out of here. Where are we going to eat? Oh, man, let me look at my phone. I can't hear anything this preacher's saying because the word of God is landing on the surface of your heart. And so the enemy does everything to snatch it away. He'll use somebody. He'll use something. He'll distract you even as I'm preaching because that is the mission of the enemy. So God wants us to hear the word of God and let it penetrate our soul. Somebody say amen. So the couple of things here, four things I want you to write this down as I begin to kind of cover this as quickly as I can. The first thing the enemy used to snatch away the words that Jesus was saying was unchecked pride or unchecked ego or unchecked arrogance. Now, what do I mean by that? One thing, it's one thing to struggle with pride. It's another thing to struggle with unchecked arrogance. The Bible said that many walked away assuming their interpretation of what Jesus said was correct. Okay, the Bible says that this is the heart saying, oh, look at what Jesus is talking about. Now he's talking about eating this flesh, drinking his blood. Uh, we we got to get out of here. So they left assuming their interpretation was correct. That was pride. They didn't even go back to ask Jesus, what do you mean by that? How many have ever posted something on social media and then people comment back and tell you, oh, this is what you meant? You go, wait a minute. Who, who's this? I know what I meant when I wrote it. Now you're trying to accuse me. No, you meant this. Well, wait a minute. I know what I wrote. I know what I meant. Now you're trying to tell me what I meant and what I was saying. Oh, you meant this. No, no. I meant exactly what I said, not what you said that I said. Are you hearing me? 
And so these guys are walking away and, and they had this pride and they assumed their interpretation of what Jesus said was correct. And Jesus again was saying, I didn't literally mean for you to eat my forearm because we know that Jesus often spoke in metaphors. He said, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. If your hand offends you, cut it off. I talked about it last week. And again, what Jesus was saying is keep your eyes in the right place and your hands to yourself. Because how many know our hands get us in trouble? We stole things that didn't belong to us. We drove the places we weren't supposed to go. We saw things we weren't supposed to see. We're looking at people we're not supposed to look at. Keep your eyes on your own wife, on your own husband, right? All of those things, right? That's a whole other sermon. You better check yourself before you wreck yourself, right? Because I'm bad for your hell. I come real stealth, right? I don't even like rap. Am I right, Isaac? I hate rap. Am I right? I hate rap. Sometimes they make a little sense. I, I'm not against me. If you like rap, God bless you. You know, amen. That's just not my error. You know, I, I just, anyway. So John chapter 6, they abandoned, listen to me, they abandoned a relationship that they should have kept and they did need because of misunderstanding. They assumed their interpretation was correct. Don't allow your pride to keep you from Jesus. Maybe they should have reconsidered and came back. Because some people not only misinterpret your word, but they misinterpret your actions. They don't even know what's going on in your life. They don't even know why you made that decision. They don't even know the whole story. Remember that? And so they misinterpret your action and they, and they end up going. And Jesus is saying, you know what? You didn't even give me a chance to explain. You left. You're so prideful. You left on your own misunderstanding. Number two, write this down. We can get offended and we can leave Jesus because of unwise decisions. It's one thing to be offended. It's another thing to walk away. So Jesus turned to his disciples and said, are you also going to leave? Again, think about Peter. Peter says, Lord, you have the words of eternal life. Isn't that awesome about Peter? But do you think that, G that Peter was never offended by Jesus? How many know the scripture where Jesus said, get behind me, Satan? You favor the things of man and not the things of God. Man, you're a hindrance to me. I don't know about you. Would you be offended if Jesus told you that? He's calling you Satan. Get behind me, Satan. You're a hindrance to me. Now, if you know Peter's character, man, uh, this guy, he was already kind of emotional. He cut a guy's ear off with a sword. I can imagine he was pretty ticked off. I can imagine that Peter was a little offended, but he was wise enough to stay. Some of us get offended and we become unwise and we leave. The moment God doesn't do what we want him to do, we leave him. Peter was wounded, I'm sure, by the words that Jesus said, but he was wise enough to stay. 
Can we get to a point in our relationship with God when it comes to our walk with God with tears in our eyes to say, Lord, I'm weeping. Lord, I'm worried. I'm wounded, but I'm not going anywhere. I'm disappointed. I don't understand why all of these things are happening. I don't understand why you didn't do it this way and do it that way. But God, my heart is broken, but my faith is intact. I am not going anywhere. See, I want you to know unwise decisions will cause you to walk away from Jesus. Decisions to walk away because Jesus said something that hurts you. Are you hearing me? Decisions to walk away. I believe this. Think about this. What they walked away from hurt them more than what they were walking away from. How many know they should have stood with Jesus? The step that they took to protect themselves, think about this, actually hurt them more and was greater than for them to stay. They were trying to protect themselves from the hurt that they thought Jesus was requiring from their life by staying there and following him. But amen, they hurt themselves from walking away from him. Did that make sense to you? How many people do you know sometimes? They get a little church hurt and they walk away from the very thing that could help them and from the very thing that can help them and and encourage them. Are you listening to me? Because sometimes our reaction to a thing hurts us more than the thing itself. You know, it wasn't the thing that hurt you. It's how you reacted. It's how you responded to it. Bro, come on. It wasn't that much. Come on. You're over, you're exaggerating now. You're taking it a step beyond. And now, and now what happened? Now your kids won't come back to church. I've seen them. They walked away from church because they got offended. And the very thing they walked away from, uh, you know, it hurt them more to leave than the thing that, that hurt them in the begin, to begin with. Now their husband won't come to church, their kids won't come to church, their wife won't come to church. They have a bad a taste in their mouth about church. Are you hearing me? See, sometimes we need some wisdom. Somebody say wisdom. Can I tell you, outside of the Holy Spirit, your greatest weapon is wisdom. The Bible said that wisdom and the word of God come together. I said wisdom and the word of God come together. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 7, he said, if you obey my word, what? You're like a wise man who built his house on a rock. You need wisdom when it comes to some spiritual warfare in your life. Some of us this morning, man, we need to be wise enough about our lives and about what's going on in our life. Lack of wisdom sometimes opens the door to the enemy. See, just because you're smart doesn't mean you're wise. You can be an educated fool. I've met a lot of people very well educated but don't know anything about relationships. Don't know anything about love. Don't know anything about connection. Don't know anything about commitment. That, you know, it's like they're just way too smart, but they're dumb at the same time. How, how many, uh, you've looked back at some of the decisions you made and you said, man, I'm way too smart to be that dumb. Am I right? You're saying, man, I, I, I can't believe I did that. What was I thinking? You weren't thinking. You had no wisdom. Thank God you got saved. God gives you a little bit of wisdom. Can you say amen? So these guys that walked away, think about what happened here. The Bible says that, uh, number three, write this down. What will cause us to walk away is unhealthy relationships. 
it said many left, not just one, many left. So li listen to me. They left in a group. They left in a group. So they confirmed, listen to me, they confirmed each other's disobedience and they felt better about doing a dumb thing because a bunch of them did it. When I see groups of people leave the church, there's dumb right there, dumber and dumber. Amen. There they go. Dumber and dumber walking together. Birds of a feather flock together, right? Because they did it in a group. So they said, oh, you know, it, all of us can't be wrong. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. They felt better about making an unwise decision because they made it in a group. Well, we were talking on Zoom. Exactly my point. Have you guys ever heard of confirmation bias? They're shutting me down already. That's okay. God bless them. No, I need them to come up. Confirmation bias. Confirmation bias is this. Listen to me. Confirmation bias is this. Is the tendency of people to favor information that confirm their existing belief and perspectives. So in other words, you're already biased about something because you already have a certain perspective about something. And so if we're getting confirmation from those people and it's going to affect us in a positive way, so when I leave, I'm not going to leave by myself because I have confirmation bias with others see if we're not careful we can find community among the disgruntled and among the broken misery loves company you need to be careful who you connect yourself with the bible says they left in the group a number of them god help us this morning that we don't have unchecked pride that we don't find ourselves making unwise decisions and then we're connecting with unhealthy relationship that causes us to walk away from the very place that's helping us. Help, help us not to walk away from Jesus. And the fourth thing, are you ready for this? Unexpected distress. Jesus exposed them, listen to me, to a degree of discomfort that they didn't expect. It caused them distress in their life. They were a little bit uncomfortable about what Jesus was saying. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. He was getting them to a greater place of commitment. In fact, if you read the scripture, he's talking about uh, uh, denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following Jesus. This causes you a little distress. Like, man, I don't want to deny myself. How about statements like, forgive your brother. Forgive that person. And you're saying, man, you don't know how deep I was wounded. You don't know how hard it was. It could be distressing what Jesus is demanding from us. How many have ever been to a point where you can get revenge and you want to, but you know you can't? It's distressing to have to forgive. It's distressing to have to forgive someone that's hurt you. It's distressing to keep the standard of God when it's so easy to compromise. And so Jesus is saying, deny yourself. Follow me. And I love what Peter says, Lord, where should we go? You have the words of eternal life. Think about it. Where would you go if you left Jesus? We got nowhere to go. You know what? You need, you need, to, you need to get rid of your options. Too, so many, so, too many of you, you got too many options. You got too many options. And, and that's why it's hard for you to serve God. And that's why you can't get commit fully because you got other options. Say, well, I've got other things. That's your problem. 
Can I share a truth with you this morning? You're not going to like this. Can I get hard? I am with your, without your permission anyway. So, because I got to share truth with you. They said one of the reasons why people have stopped coming to church and they don't fully give their life to Jesus is because financially they're doing better. And when you have more money, you have more options. So when people came to church and they didn't have anything, they go, I got nowhere to go. Church is the only place I can go. I got no money. Man, I got to come here. But the minute God begins to bless them and give them more, then they say, oh, I got other options. I could go other places on, on the weekend. Man, I don't need to go to church on Sunday. I got other places to go. I got a whole bunch of money. I go down to Vegas this weekend. I'm going to go down here. Down. Man, who needs to go to church on Wednesday? I got, I got places to go. I got money to spend. Because your priorities are in the wrong place. See, you need to say, Lord, where shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. I'm not going anywhere. See, I made up my mind a long time ago. I'm going to serve God. I love you. I love this congregation. I love my family. But I'm not serving God because of them. I made up my mind. I'm going to serve God no matter what. I could be wounded sometimes because things aren't happening the way. I could be weeping sometimes. I could be disappointed. But God, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to follow you. Let's bow our heads in reverence to the Lord. Holy Spirit, you'd reach across this congregation right now. So many people are in this house today. Lord, I pray that you'll minister to their lives today, wherever they're at in their walk with God. Some are struggling. Some are having a hard time with their co- Some, Lord, they're, they're still making the decision whether they're going to surrender it all. But I pray today that they won't leave the same, the same way they walked in. So, God, I pray right now for the people of God. I pray right now with every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here in this room and you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never made a commitment and surrendered to God, God's waiting for you today. You're not here by accident. You owe God your life. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. The Bible says everyone is a sinner and they've gone astray, including you, including me. We've all gone astray. But the Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. God wants to give you new life. He wants to forgive you. He wants to change your life. But he's not going to make you do it. He's not going to force you. He's going to open the door for you today to come to him. And you got to be willing to surrender your life to him. Where are you going to go? What are you going to do with your life? I'm telling you, if you don't have Jesus, you go nowhere. You're going to spend eternity without God. I don't want you to do that today. I want you to realize that God loves you. He's reaching out to you right now. If you're in this room right now, say, Pastor, I need the Lord in my life today. I need to commit my life to Jesus. You've been away from God. And today, God's calling you home. With every head bowed, every eye closed, Christian praying quietly right now. He said, Pastor, that's me. I need the Lord. Would you just raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, I need the Lord right now. Would you pray for me, Pastor? I need Jesus in my life. Just raise your hand over here. God bless you on my right. Who else? Several people on my right. Who else? 
You won't be alone. There's some more people in this room. You need the Lord in your life. You know exactly who you are. Here's the thing. God knows who you are. And he's tugging at your heart today. He's speaking into your life. Not, not me. The Holy Spirit is. Would you make a commitment to the Lord today? Say, man, Pastor, I need the Lord in my life today. How long are you going to wait? Do you have that kind of time? I don't know. But right now is the right time. Be honest with God. Say, Pastor, I need Jesus in my life. Raise your hand. Is there anybody else right now in this room? Say, that's me. That's me. Wherever you're sitting right now, just raise your hand quickly. Say, that's me. I need the Lord. Thank you. Over here on my right. Anybody else? Anybody else? Maybe you were once serving God, but you're away from God. You need to come home. You know exactly what I'm talking. You're the prodigal son, prodigal daughter. You need to come home. Today's your day. Come back to Jesus. Today's your day. Rededicate your life. Raise your hand right now. Say, that's me, Pastor. I'm away from God. I need to come back. Raise your hand if you haven't raised it up. Raise it up right now all over this room. Holy Spirit, we thank you right here. Another gentleman. God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Several people raised their hand. Would you look up at me real quick? Some of you guys that raised your hand over here. Thank you. Anybody else? Can, can you do me a favor? Can you get up and stand to, your, stand to your feet with me and just meet me right down here? Come on, let's give these people a hand. You're not going to come by yourself. People will come with you. Come on, just come. They're going to pray with you. God bless you. Thank you. Somebody else. Anybody else want to come? God bless you, bro. God bless you, man. God bless you. Would you pray with him, Peter? Somebody else. Come on, give these folks a hand. They're giving their life to Jesus. Anybody else want to come? We'll pray with you. Why don't we stand together? We're going to sing this song. But some of you need to renew your commitment to God today. That no matter what, no matter what, I'm not going to let my pride get in the way. I'm not going to assume some things. I'm not going to get involved with some unhealthy relationships. I'm not going to become unwise in my decision. I'm not going to allow the distress of what God is trying to do in my life. To keep me from committing my heart to him. I'm going to follow Jesus no matter what. I'm here to stay, God. I'm not here to leave. I'm not going to assume that I know more than everyone else. Why don't you just sing a song and then as we sing it, I want you to just come toward the altar. Make your way down here. Some of you just really need to.